There we go. Good morning. So, um, who's enjoyed this series on prayer? It's been pretty cool, eh? Yeah, hands going up all around the room. Um, one of the beautiful things for me has been just to realize again that there's no formula for prayer, no one size fits all experience. Um, there's multiple expressions of prayer, just as there's multiple ways to have a conversation. And, and you know, that's been demonstrated for us this morning and all the different people that have gotten up to share and the things that God has spoken. And, and last week was another great example of that. Thank you so much to Lexi and Grace and Craig. I don't know if you're all here this morning, but um, just last week for sharing some of your prayer journey with us. Uh, and again, all so varied and all valid and all valued. So um, just big thanks from all of us for that. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I found a couple of weeks back Fran's message on lament. That was, um, that was strangely encouraging. I, I really enjoyed just that reminder again that the Bible doesn't shy away from the hard, the, the rubbish stuff, you know. Um, and we don't need to either. We can bring our grief and our loss and our disappointment and our frustration and our anger. We can bring all of that and lament to God. So so let's just come to him now. I know that um, Heather has just prayed, but I'm feeling the need to just take a moment myself. So. <clears throat> Father, this morning I ask for your intimate invitation to come personally to each one of us. I ask for your stamp of authority on the words that you've given me to say. And I ask for your transforming power to be present with us. Amen. So we're, we're, the, we're rounding off our prayer series this morning, um, and we're rounding it off with an aspect of prayer that is probably a much more familiar word off our tongues than, than say, lament. Um, but for all its familiarity, I'm not sure that we really often fully grasp its power. It's thanksgiving. And uh, I was thinking about another word during this week. The word is taniko, and it's the the ornamental border or the edging. Oh, good. We'll just switch that over. There you go. Can you hear me better now? Let's just start that again. I was thinking of this other word during the week, which is taniko, and it's the ornamental edging or the um, the border on a woven mat. It's what finishes the weaving and holds it all together. And I know this because a friend of mine. Uh, once had a very surprised baby daughter quite some time after they thought they'd finished weaving um, and they called her Taniko. <laughs> she was the edging, the, the completion, they were done. And this morning we've come to the Taniko of our prayer series. And I don't think it's by accident that we're landing on Thanksgiving because I reckon that Thanksgiving is the Taniko to the weaving of our prayers. Thanksgiving is what holds it all together and gives our prayers shape. It's funny how God often seems to get me speaking on to topics that I first need to preach to myself. Funny, not funny. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Um, keeping a thankful journal has um, been a habit of mine for a number of years now. 
But um, I dare say that if I wasn't speaking on Thanksgiving this morning, this may not have gotten written in this week. Um, it's, it's something that has been barely visible in my reality this week. Um, nothing major happened, just lots of little time stealers and joy stealers along the way. Here, here's a few thank yous that did make it in here that might give you an indication. Um, thankful for... A full afternoon of busy, noisy kids and your grace to enjoy rather than endure. For your consistent message to me, I've got this. I needed that when uh, all the time I seemed to have carved out for preparing this message was uh, getting stolen away. For sufficient grace, your power perfected in my weakness. For your always grace, holding me in the overwhelm. For the gift of right now, a quiet house, a warm fire, and the anticipation of closing my tired eyes. <laughs> and this one. Netflix, Play-Doh, and photo albums, all helping in the entertainment of my youngest so that I can prepare. Yes, he was homesick on my one day off. <laughs> Like I said, nothing devastating. Just a full week in a slightly chaotic household with a bunch of unanticipated interruptions. But here's a thought. If I can't find a way to give thanks in just an ordinary topsy-turvy week, if I don't practice in the midst of mild irritations and slight inconveniences, then I will never know deep joy when life's real challenges come my way. And isn't that, the re that, isn't that really what we're all after, you know? To find joy in life, to discover the secret to happiness. Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, you'll be familiar with these verses. Paul reckons, he claims that he's done just that. He says, I have learned how to be content whatever my circumstances I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've learned the secret. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Well, the good news is that if Paul learned that secret and his life contained plenty of curveballs and challenges, that's a mild understatement, if he learned this secret, then surely we can too. So, let's take a look back in Philippians verse 4. Back up a few verses in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. You'll know these ones too. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then this, with thanksgiving. Jump back a few more verses to Philippians 4 verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, does that sound to you like a really great idea but completely impossible. Or maybe your inner cynic is coming out and you think, yeah, I've met someone like that, always full of joy in the Lord. And they were really irritating to be around. So what is Paul getting at here? I want to take us to a favorite passage of mine. It's um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. Now, some of you have heard me speak about this before, but I'm not apologizing. Um, we're familiar with Thanksgiving, but 
I'm not sure that we really get it. I'm not sure that I really get it. So here goes. I'm preaching to myself and I am going to bring out my teacher mode this morning too. Hopefully it will stay up so I can write some stuff on here. Here we go. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, there's these three directives. Oh, and you can see how nervous I am by how shaky my handwriting is. Okay, so it says to be joyful always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, okay? Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Here's what I've learned. Eucharistio Eucharistio is the Greek word that means to give thanks. Now, inside of that is the root word of Eucharistio, which is this one, charis. I, don't, I have no idea if I'm saying these words right, but anyway, I'll just say it with confidence and you'll believe me, right? Now, charis, charis means grace or gift. Okay, and then inside of that is the derivative of that. You can't even see properly because my pens are running out because my children played hangman on the whiteboard this morning. Um, is kara, which means joy. Okay, stay with me. Stay with me. Here's the thought. Maybe kara, deep joy, is only found within Eucharistio, giving thanks. Maybe the height of my joy is dependent on the depth of my thanks. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Here's my paraphrase. You want joy? Then learn to pay attention and stay mindful and attentive to all the daily graces and gifts that God gives you. You want joy? Then pray your thanks. Does that make sense? When I, when I first read this, I was blown away. I was like, oh, wow. It made it come alive for me. You want joy? Then use prayer to stay attentive to all the stuff that God's giving and give thanks. Do you know, I back in Philippians 4, can I suggest that this rejoicing in verse 4 and this praying with thanksgiving in verse 6, these are the secret ingredients, the recipe to Paul's contentment to his happiness in verse 12. This is it right here. But please hear me because what I'm not saying is that knowing the secret makes it easy. This is the same Paul let me read from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the same Paul who said, I have been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door time after time. 
I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling, year in, year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal. And that's not the half of it, when you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. This Paul, this is the same Paul that dares to suggest that we can always be full of joy. So the struggle is real. But what's important is that the struggle and the rejoicing aren't two different legs of the journey. It's not that if you're struggling, you know, it's not that um, I'll be thankful when scenario. I'll be thankful when lockdown's over and the kids go back to school. You know, I'll be thankful when dot, 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 however you finish that sentence. That's not what Paul's talking about here. It's a, it's a at the same time. Struggle and rejoicing aren't two different legs of the journey. It turns out that rejoicing in the Lord is what happens while we still struggle in the now. I do want to take a moment to acknowledge that there are many people in this room who have lived through trauma and faced life challenges far greater than anything I've ever had to face. So I'm treading with the utmost respect. This is not a flippant, count your blessings, get your joy on, pep talk. This is a deep yearning to journey towards joy together with no one left behind. This is not a thanks that is a comparison. Oh, there's always someone worse off, so I can be thankful that at least, you know? This is this is not this has got nothing to do with the next person's set of circumstances. This is a rejoicing in the midst of that everybody can get in on. There's a reason why Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 describes it as a sacrifice of praise. And Psalm 50 verse 14, sacrifice thank offerings to the Lord. And again in verse 23, those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me. You know, I think... This psalm makes it clear that actually this is the offering that God most desires. From verse 8 in, um, in that Psalm 50, so I'm just bringing it up. From verse 8, God says this, I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer, but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I don't need to tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. And then we get to verse 14. Make thankfulness your praise to God. Verse 23. Giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. 
This is the offering that our God most desires, to give thanks, even when it hurts, even when it feels like a sacrifice. And perhaps that's really because our thanks is an expression of our trust. Anne Voskamp, she's the author that first got me started on this whole thankfulness journey. And um, she says this, she says, this living a lifestyle of intentional gratitude became an unintentional test in the trustworthiness of God. Can God be counted on? Well, count blessings and find out how many of his bridges have already held. This is the crux of Christianity, to remember and give thanks. In thanking, we choose to remember and call up our faith. And in doing that, we honor God. But the cool thing is that, you know, with God, there's always this bonus for us. You know, I desire the sacrifice of praise, but it's never, it's never, for every Godward action, there's always a, a benefit that we reap. And so, again, Anne Voskamp tells a story of, of sitting in a doctor's waiting room with a swollen, sprained ankle. And as she's sitting there feeling sorry for herself, she gets a text message from a friend who's actually dying with cancer. Anyway, this is, this is her little, um, oops. This is her little story. So she's sitting in the doctor's waiting room with her sprained, swollen ankle. And I'm just thankful, Lord, for... But can I remember? What am I thankful for? My foot's killing me, and it's not really killing me at all. And that's just the point. This fallen world never stops dismembering who we are. We're all breaking a bit more every day, even in small ways. And there, even as we ache, is the gentle whisper of God, with the quiet urging to give thanks anyways, to do this in remembrance of him. But why in the world give thanks? Because when we remember how he blesses, loves us, when we recollect his goodness to us, we heal, we remember. In the remembering to give thanks, our broken places are remembered, made whole. that cool? When we remember how he blesses, when we recollect his goodness to us, we heal, we remember. You know, we could do the same with the word rejoice, joy, the derivative of gift or grace. As we pay attention to the daily graces and gifts, we fill up again, we rejoy so that it's actually possible to be full of joy in the Lord. As long as thanks is possible then joy is always possible. This idea of God's graces or gifts, this thought of giving thanks anyway, a a while back I felt challenged by God to accept everything as gift, to have that 
that lens on, to receive everything, even the hard stuff, through the lens of knowing that God loves me and has good things for me. And I wrote this prayer, help me to open my eyes wide to your grace in each now, to be wide-eyed and alert to the wonder. (laughs) You know, I've discovered that on sunny days when the birds are chirping and the kids are not fighting and all is well in my world, that's relatively easy. But how do we open our eyes wide to the wonder when people are dumb and life is hard? Well, that's the question really, isn't it? Always be full of joy in the Lord. Maybe right there, that's the key. Remembering that the ultimate wonder is not the gift, but the gift giver. The real gift is always him. And we can always have as much of him as we want. We can always have as much of God as we want. You know, we're finishing up one series on prayer and starting into a new one with relationships on people, well, relationships with people. And who knew that thankfulness is actually the perfect connector between the two? We, can we just go back and take a look at the context of, of um, some of these thankful verses that we've been looking at? So we looked at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 17, where um, it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks. Okay, the verses directly before that, verses 13 to 15 say this. Get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. Be patient with each other, attentive to individual needs. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. At which point we arrive at verses 16 to 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is no coincidence. When we are alert to God's gifts and graces, as we learn to wear thanksgiving as the filter on our vision, then we'll be in the right position to look for the best in each other and to call out the wonder there too. Doesn't it stand to reason that if my eyes are open wide to the wonder of God in nature, they're open wide to the wonder of God in provision, then surely I'm positioned to see the wonder of God in people and relationships too. Thanks changes everything. We also looked at Hebrews 13, 15, offering God a sacrifice of praise. Verse 16 goes on to say, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. So as we give thanks, even in our pain, even when it's a sacrifice to do so, it doesn't just affect this relationship, it affects these relationships too. I want to... close with one last set of verses they're in Colossians chapter 3 so verses 11 to 14 are are basically all about putting up with each other regardless of our differences in this new life it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile etc etc Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us verse 13 make allowance for each other's faults forgive anyone who offends you and then we come to verse 15 Each one of you is part of the body of Christ and you were chosen to live together in peace. 
So let the peace that comes from Christ control your thoughts and get this, and be thankful. Three words, and it's in a sentence all of its own. Like, what three words get their own sentence? And be thankful. They're game changers, those three words. I was thinking about, you know, what other kinds of punchy little things might go in a, in a super short sentence like that. And clean your teeth. And feed the dog. And make your bed. And use your manners. You know, they're the kinds of little sentences that highlight something really important. Something that must not be forgotten. And be thankful. And be thankful. It's not an optional extra. Thanksgiving is fundamental. It's what holds us together. It's the taniko. But maybe this morning you have more a feeling of being undone, of coming apart at the edges. Maybe you hear me say, as long as thanks is possible, then joy is always possible, and in your current circumstances, you're not even sure if you can find a way towards thanks. Maybe you're scared that God's forgotten you. That if you start to look for his gifts and his graces, you'll be disappointed. You'll be overwhelmed with your pain and your loss again. Maybe you're thinking that I have no idea. And maybe you're right. But Jesus knew betrayal. He understands abandonment and abuse. Paul, he gets hardship. He has some idea. And still he dares to suggest that we can be full of joy. Maybe you think that by living numb or stoic, You're protecting yourself. Well, just maybe those walls that you're building are the very walls that are impeding your view. Just maybe if you allow yourself to look, he'll surprise you. Just maybe you'll discover Paul's secret. Just maybe you'll discover that thanksgiving can lead you to greater levels of joy than you ever thought possible. Maybe you'll see that you really can have as much of God as you want. And in his presence is fullness of joy. We don't have to like our circumstances, but we can still choose to look for the unexpected gifts that they may bring. How we look determines how we live. So if you've got the feeling that your vision could use some adjusting this morning, If you're looking and you're living needs a new lens. If being full of the joy of the Lord is an unfamiliar language and you identify more with coming undone at the edges than having a tanikor of thanksgiving. Could we pray with you this morning? I'm going to close off together now and um, then you're free to grab a tea or a coffee and have a chat. But if you want prayer, or if you want to signal to God that you've heard his prompting this morning, or maybe you've never encountered this gift-giving, joy-filling God, then please come up the front. 
I'll be here. Others will come in and pray with you. But don't let this moment, this gift, this gift of right now pass you by. Receive the gift of being prayed for this morning and let that be the start of seeing and receiving all of the gifts of love that the Father has for you. And, and for those of you that maybe have been on this journey a bit longer and, and you think Thanksgiving, yep, know that, yep, got that. Like, can I just give you one last challenge this morning? I'm off script now, but Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. And can I suggest to you this morning that that's more than an instruction on the kind of attitude that you should come to God with? That's actually a key to unlocking the gates of heaven. That actually maybe our thanksgiving is what opens the doors and lets the kingdom of heaven and God's presence be felt here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, so grateful this morning for the gift of you, the ultimate gift, the gift that we can never um, get enough of, the gift that we can always have as much of as we want. And this morning, God, I pray that you would meet us again, that you would surprise us again, whether we think we've got this down or whether this is the start of a brand new journey, that you would show us the daily gifts and graces on offer to us, that we would have eyes wide open in wonder to see and to give thanks that we could experience this being full of joy in the Lord. God, just thank you so much that your invitation to us this morning is deeply personal, that you will meet each one of us where we're at, and um, we can trust in the God who loves us and who always has good gifts for us. Amen. I think um, we're going to just put some music on. You are free to have your morning tea.